They think I'm on permanent vacation. Uh, <clears throat> I guess uh, I'm kind of feeling that way. I told Carolyn today, I said, I feel so disoriented. Then, of course, I come here tonight and see Brother Lee back there. We're going to have to get Brother Lee and his family here to minister for us. He is such an outstanding man. We've heard so many good reports about Brother Lee's ministry. I just talked with a good friend of mine today, Brother McCoy, and I guess he was with Brother McCoy Sunday night. In fact, I had the opportunity to visit with him for a while today. And so uh, he said you had a great service. It was just so good uh, to have you. Brother Lee was at Brother Aaron's church last year for some time, and I think they had, I don't know, how many did you have received the Holy Ghost there? And that is, that is very excellent. I really do thank the Lord for this man's ministry. And uh, we would certainly open our doors to the Lees to come. It's just a matter of us scheduling it in. Uh, I have not spoken in some time, and there's something that I have on my heart that I feel I need to share with you. First, let me just uh, talk a little bit. We want to talk about uh, the Davis family. The Davis family is much in need of our prayers. Of course, Grandma Davis has been a member of this church for many, many years. She's been in the rest home at City View for probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. She was not able to attend service here now for 10, 12 years or longer. Uh, Grandma Davis uh, was 97 years old. And she's been in this world for a long, long time. I wasn't for sure when she received the Holy Ghost, but uh, her son Russell told me tonight that she was in her 70s when she received the Holy Ghost. So they, they told me that they thought that I was pastoring here when Grandma Davis received the Holy Ghost. Now, I know Grandma Davis was attending before but they thought she received the Holy Ghost in 1975, which would uh, put us here five years. We've been here 20 years. Now, I'm not for sure when she received the Holy Ghost. They're going to look that up tonight. They said they received a bulletin from our church and from me, and uh, it was stated in there, Grandma Davis had received the Holy Ghost. Now, I do know that when I first started attending here, she was making uh, rugs, rag-type rugs, and uh, these woven-type rugs, and they really did look nice. And she gave Brother and Sister Blackshear one of those rugs when they left, and it was just a real keepsake to them. And then I remember Grandma Davis when we started our bus ministry and a lot of children coming in. She wanted to assist, and she served Kool-Aid on Sunday mornings as a treat out of the kitchen every Sunday morning. She's got a good number of children, uh, two daughters and several sons. And uh, those, I think all of the sons have been here in church, and a couple of them have really been touched to the Lord. And I would like for you to pray that tomorrow I'll be able to say something that will encourage uh, this large family, not only children but grandchildren and 
think, 31 grandchildren and great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren. So she's got a, a large family. Sister Wittenbach will be singing. I do have a sectional conference tomorrow night in Nina, and I'm supposed to be in Nina at 5.15. So the burial service will be in Highland Memory Gardens out on Cottage Grove Road, but the Caskey will be taking care of that. There will be a luncheon served here at the church for the family. As Brother Derber said, if you don't have to come to the church at that time, uh, please just uh, be respectful and stay away until such a time that... that uh, uh, you know that you that the family is clear. I don't know how long it'll be, and I understand we're also having a, a shower that evening here. But we have a lot of things going on here at Calvary Gospel Church, and we certainly able to take all of this in consideration. You see someone like Grandma Davis, and since I've known her, you know she just it seems like the older people get, uh, the more precious they get. Or if they're not living for God, uh, quite often the uh, opposite is true. Uh, it appears in the Bible that there's such a thing as soul progression. That as you live for God, you get better and better. And I suppose that's what growth does for you. Uh, on the other hand, if you're not living for God, you can get worse and worse and worse. Isn't it true that a sign of the last days that the love of many shall wax cold? Uh, that there will be an abundance of iniquity. Now I've said all of that to, not to just talk a lot about Grandma Davis, which I feel that uh, I should do because we certainly love this lady. And even after she lost her memory, uh, We'd visit her, and all of a sudden, while we were visiting, she, 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 with a smile, she'd look at me and said, Now, who are you? And I'd say, Well, I'm Brother Grant. Oh, Brother Grant, she said. Yes. And who's this fine lady that came along with you? I said, This sister. Oh, Sister Grant. I'm sorry. And she would apologize for not recognizing us. And then she'd talk about her son, Ronnie. She said, I just fixed Ronnie's breakfast because her son... Uh, Ronald passed away this past year and uh, she said and you know my two boys and she she'd named the name of her two boys said they went off to the war she said I wonder how long this war is going to last she said you know and she but but you just feel the real sweetness flowing from this lady but the opposite is true of people who do not live for God when the final curtain is pulled upon time and a seal is placed upon the life of mankind, an eternal seal, he that is righteous, the Bible says, let him be righteous still. But he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. That death and hell does not take away iniquity. Iniquity is confined to the lake of fire, but people who go there that are sinners remain sinners forever. And that's, that's, that's sad. Now, I said all of that to just bring you to a real... I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that has this burden, but 
as a church, I want to talk with you tonight because, you know, I can see because of recent political changes that we are headed for the greatest decline in morality that America has ever seen. You watch what I tell you. Uh, radical groups and people are openly boasting about sin. Uh, just heard this week that in our society, probably within one year, there will be pills made available for young ladies that can take these pills within a certain duration of their pregnancy and terminate the pregnancy. Just take a pill and, and that's it. Uh, it has been... Uh, introduced in certain other parts of the world. Euthanasia is a big thing where older people like Grandma Davis, uh, they're just totally ignored. We've got a warped society, a crazy world. See, we want to kill off babies before they're born, which to me is murder. Uh, you'll find some of the greatest people that ever lived that they were called of God in their mother's womb. Did you know that? They were. Before they were ever born, God had a mission for them, a purpose for them. But we want to terminate life. We'll terminate the life of a baby before it's ever born in the world. And yet, there are certain birds in our society that if you destroy one egg, you could be sentenced to prison if you can't pay the fine. That's a, it's a crazy world. Whales live up to 400 years, a lot of them, of age. And for you to go out and kill a 400-year-old whale would bring about an international sentence that uh, the UN is considering. Can you believe that the United Nations would become involved in... in uh, uh, environmental and issues and such. But they, uh, nevertheless, that's, that's one of their considerations, international sentencing for not only criminals, but, uh, well, it would be a crime, but uh, we're not talking about people that deal in, in the area of, uh, of uh, civil war or war between nations, but we're talking about people that just are not in league with the thinking of our day. So you could be put in jail for, or in prison, in an international prison for killing a whale. But it's all right to withhold food from elderly people and let them starve to death. We have a lady in our congregation that ran into stiff opposition in the hospital where she worked because there was a family that had an 84-year-old dad who had broken a leg and... Uh, they were asked, the family asked, don't give him any more food, just let him starve. And uh, she brought it to me. She said, I, I, I take food in, and and I go in when food is being served to others, and while this man can't talk, he watches, he can't say anything. And so she took the issue to the doctor, and she, she refused to cooperate. Uh, she asked to be transferred to another department. She said, I'll have no part in this. 
They gave her literature on uh, euthanasia. Uh, while it is not openly practiced, when we say openly practiced, I mean, you know, it's publicly uh, talked about. It is being practiced not only in Wisconsin, but in many parts of the states. Isn't it strange that you could go to prison for killing a 400-year-old whale, but it is an honorable thing to starve an 84-year-old man to death? It's a crazy world. It is a crazy world. People seem to be losing their perception of truth and values. I have reached a place, and I think that it is impossible to retain the revelation that it's so necessary in order to be saved. See, when we talk about the Godhead, we talk about revelation. But the truth of the matter is that everything about God is revelatory. See, the carnal mind cannot know the things of the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And uh, all of us have a physical mind, at least most of us do. I lose mine occasionally. Uh, I've got where I draw quite a few blanks. I, I get up to go get something, and I don't even know what I went to get. And when it's really bad, it's when you get there and you forget what you went to get, and then you start back and you don't know where you started from. And you say, now where was I? when I got up to come in here to get what I forgot that I was supposed to get. <clears throat> and it's worse yet whenever you call your wife and you ask her, and she says, well, I told you to go get it. And I said, what was it? And she says, I don't remember either. <clears throat> but all of us have our natural mind. And then, of course... With the natural mind, we make application. And how we make application determines whether we are spiritual or whether we are carnal. And so we can be carnally minded in some areas and spiritual minded in other areas. Of course, we can be totally carnally minded. The Bible tells us to be carnally minded is, is death. Now, I said that to say this, that you'll never know God without divine revelation. It's impossible. So what happens, a preacher preaches, and all of a sudden you receive the knowledge, or perhaps you read the Word and you receive the knowledge. Now, I'm going to be bringing some scriptures to your mind. I just haven't opened my Bible yet. But what happens is, we... Uh, we we get this knowledge. But without divine assistance, you cannot make the proper application. But as God begins to deal with our heart, which we commonly call conviction, it's the voice of God within us, which is also our conscience, then we begin to make proper application. That is when divine revelation comes to us. See, no man comes to God except the Spirit draweth him. That simply means that unless God draws you, which is the opening of the revelation of your need of God, 
You can just sit back and make fun or mock or do whatever you want to do. So everything relative to God comes by revelation. It's revelatory. You don't know God. You cannot understand God. You don't know the things of God without divine enlightenment. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Bible goes on down to say, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now along with that, the Bible says concerning Jesus, that Jesus was the true light of the world, and that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. At some time during every man's life, he hears the voice of God to the point that he receives a revelation. Maybe not much, but he receives enough that if he listens to God and responds to God, he can be saved. Now, I believe that. Now, I believe that because the Bible says, the grace of God that worketh salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now, every man is not... Sure, when he hears the voice of God within him, that it is God. But there is a familiar ring that uh, that a man has, and when he hears the the preaching of the word, he he can make association. People can come in the house of God and hear preaching for the first time. It's like they've like they've always heard it, like it's always been there. It's like the preacher is preaching something they're familiar with. It's like he's stating from a book that they've been reading all their life and maybe they've never opened the Bible. The Gentiles having not the law of God, Paul says in Romans 1, Romans 2, pardon me, did by nature the things contained in the law. Thus, it became a law unto them. So while they didn't have the Mosaic law or the Ten Commandments, the Bible says they set up their governments according to the law of God. Why? Because the voice of God was within them. Now the problem is, Paul said they reached a point in which they disobeyed the voice of God like the Jews, and then all the world became guilty before God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I said all that to bring you to this very important statement. I am feeling more than ever before that no Pentecostal will survive without being on fire. You're going to lose your revelation. You watch what I tell you. I said you will lose your revelation because that you are not willing to follow all the way with God. Will God take it away? Well, I don't like to say that God will take it away as much as I feel that if you're not totally open to God, that there will be such an onslaught of Satan against your soul that you'll lose it. Now, I think I can biblically prove 
that revelation does leave you as a result of God withdraw, withdrawing the light from you. But if I put it that way and use that as a blanket statement, a lot of people think, well, God's just going to turn off the light. Well, it's like this. The batteries just grow dim inside of your soul when you don't recharge them. And the recharging is left up to you. But you can do it. There is an alternator on both vehicles that I own that assures me, or insures me, maybe I should say, that every time I drive or start the engine, that it's going to charge the battery. And there are indicators inside that tell me if there's a malfunction with that alternator. And there should be indicators in your life. Preachers stand up as indicators to tell you when the battery is not being charged. If there's a problem. And quite frankly, and I, I want to encourage all of you, I want to make you feel good about serving God, but some of you are not charging the battery cells. And the indicator lights are on red. And the lights are growing dim. There are some of you that in times past had very strong convictions And you no longer have those convictions. You see, here's the situation. If I am right in this onslaught of immorality, and I can assure you within the last month, or even the last two months, two and a half months since the presidential election, there has been more discussion that has publicly gone on about immorality than we have probably had in the last six or eight years in the States. Public debates ranging all the way from euthanasia to abortion to gay rights. And people are questioning that. What do, you know, isn't it a known fact that publicity removes skepticism relative to almost anything. Start publishing sex. And after a while, the society just accepts that you're just abnormal if you do not participate. That's just the way society accepts it. Now, here's what I'm saying. There is no such thing as growing cold in God without drawing close to society. You hear what I'm saying? There's no such thing. The colder you get in God, the closer you draw to society. If the mindset of society is on corruption, and you are magnetized towards society, what's going to happen to, to you? You're going to develop that same mindset. So as a result, you can keep on coming to church and paying your tithes and going to your classrooms and such. 
But inside, there's a funny little thing happening to you. It's called deception. It's eroding away. It's talking to you. I have the opportunity, and I use the word opportunity. Usually I use the word responsibility. But I want to use the word opportunity. Tomorrow night, I'm going to Nina to preach to the ministers of section number one, and then section number four, Saturday in Eau Claire, and then the following Saturday, I'll be at Elam Tabernacle in Milwaukee preaching to the ministers of section two, and then in Monroe for section three. I use the word opportunity because I want to talk to our pastors about this very thing. It's, uh, it's amazing to me. I recently addressed a couple of things because it became public and I talked about this to, to you people, all of which I, I usually don't say much, but there is broadcast all over the world in all denominations. Big question marks. People are taught to question everything. Now please understand, I am not against questioning if an individual's attitude is right. But I do know that a person who draws close to society and they start questioning, that they question things solely because they want to hear encouragement for to participation in what they are wanting to participate in. See, everybody wants approval. In other words, Pastor, I want to challenge you, or I want you, if you possibly can, to, to just tell me that what I'm doing is all right. Or if I depict any... In any way, if I depict any doubt in any statement that you might make, it serves as further validity for me to continue. For this reason, and I do not plan on doing this in all services, recently I've stood behind the pulpit, because we've had a very busy schedule with missionaries and youth revival and Christmas programs and such. I've had, we've had a very busy schedule, but I have taken the opportunity to talk about some good, old-fashioned, solid values that not only I feel that the United Pentecostal Church needs, but I feel that America needs in order for America to survive as a free nation. See, we talk about, well, America probably won't survive. Well, I can name to you country after country after country that is many times older than the United States of America that has, I mean, they have survived. The only thing, not as a free nation, China, for an example, is one of the oldest nations on the face of the earth. Egypt is another. So there are many of them that are many, many times older than America, but they have not had the liberty, the freedom that we have. And the moral corruption and moral decay that we are facing as a nation, if we have ever made up our minds to be people of strong character and people of high principles, we better make up our mind now. But I'm going to tell you something. 
It will not come only as a result of discipline. It will come as a result of divine revelation and discipline toward that revelation. Because when the revelation is lost, the body does not have the power to discipline itself. Because you will ultimately discipline yourself according to what your will, your mind tells you is right. This is the reason why that that people can always be dead tired on service nights. But if there's any extra curricular unspiritual activities, you can discipline yourself to do it. You can go and play checkers or cards or whatever you want to play till all hours of the night with friends. But church, I'm too tired. And you may say, is it really true that I could be too tired to come to church? Yes, my friend, it can be true. And you can't make the body get up and do. And the reason why you can is because the revelation is growing dim inside of you. And you don't have the willpower to do differently. You hear me? We're talking about something that is extremely important. This is extremely important. Now, what I see, though, in this decline of moral corruption is not an altogether forsaking of religion, or should I say even Christianity, but a big, big change in Christianity. I don't mind telling you, today was the first time ever that I listened to Chuck Swindoll and turned it off. I refuse to listen to him. And the reason why is because he was talking about spiritual gifts. And he was talking about the charismatic world. And many things he said about the charismatic world was right. I do not claim to be a charismatic. I claim to be a Pentecostal. Somebody asked me, what's the difference between Calvary Gospel Church and the charismatic world? I said, here's the difference. A long time before speaking in tongues became a religious fad, we were talking in tongues. And I will assure you when the religious fad ceases, we're still going to be talking in tongues. Because this is more than a religious fad to us. This is a principle that is proclaimed in the Scripture. It's a doctrine of the Bible, and we won't forsake it. When people persecuted us and punished us, and when people forsook us, and called us heretics, we still did it. And when it rose to prominence, we still do it. But whenever the fad ceases and, and diminishes from the Christian world, we're still going to do it. And that's the basic difference. Praise God. I will say this. It's been a long time since I've been called a heretic. Until... The last month or so. The last month or two, I've been called a heretic by several people. Now, years ago when I first started out, why? Everybody in town thought I was a heretic. See, I don't believe that there will be the forsaking of the religious world. I think there will just be a change in the philosophy. Now, Isaiah 66, verse... Uh, 
verse 5, and this is the scripture I wanted to read today. I don't know if I'm going to use this uh, overhead or not, but I have it all set up. I'm set up to do about anything here tonight. Because I think it's extremely important. Isaiah 66, 5, the Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, they shall be ashamed. In other words, this scripture is making prophecy concerning a division that would take place relative to what? To God? No. To the issue about the importance of the name. That's what it's saying. It's not. It says, well, why don't you just stop all this business about the name of the Lord? Let's just let the Lord be glorified. In other words, the superficial smoothing over of things and saying, well, let's just love everybody. And, and love is more than that, my friend. I say love is more than that. But see, that is the prevailing spirit in the world today. Did you read in the article last Saturday, I believe it was, in which this religious writer was saying that many people in the Bible, many of the men in the Bible were homosexuals? Did you read that? They cited David and Jonathan, that they were homosexuals. And they, and they, they, they brought out scriptures in the Bible... Well, my, those scriptures have nothing to do with homosexuality. But, but they sure made it applicable to their cause. Others have claimed that Jesus was a homosexual. This is the reason why he had 12 men around him. Others have said, well, he's really bisexual. This is the reason why he hung around a few ladies that weren't married. That's what the issue was about uh, the last temptation of Jesus Christ, that movie. And so people are rising up and trying their best to undergird the works of the flesh with Christianity. Let me do what I want to do. And the prophecy that I just read to you is simply saying this. And Jesus Christ forewarned us when He was here. He said, All men shall hate you for one reason. And that is, for my name's sake. Years ago, my wife and Sister Jan went in a hospital and began to pray for a lady who had attended church here, and I think we had baptized the lady. In walks a couple of ladies from a local charismatic church. Now, if you're here and you belong to a charismatic church, just listen carefully to what I'm saying, okay? You need to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying this critically in any sense to destroy any good that anyone is doing. The charismatic movement is a movement that's touched all denominations and made people question the traditions of their fathers that were man-made. But at the same time, you must understand 
that any time God touches you with revelation, it is necessary that you not only walk in that revelation, but in all revelations that God may bring your way. And so these two ladies came in, and all of a sudden they looked at Sister Jan Rager and my wife, and they said, Oh, you must be from Calvary Gospel Church. That's the church that believes in Jesus' name. Well, I thought all Christians did. I thought that is what identified us as being a Christian. Because the name of Christ was Jesus. Not only was the name, it is still the name. And it is the name that every knee is going to bow to and every tongue is going to confess to. It is a name that's far above every name. The name that was held mystery from the foundation of the world has been revealed to us in these last days. But Jesus said, All men shall hate you for my name's sake. And so, here stands these two innocent sisters who had come in to encourage this new convert. And these ladies said, I hate the name of Jesus. I think what they meant was, I hate the doctrine. I don't think they meant for it to sound the way that it did. You know. And so... Uh, there have been some brands, there have been some names, there have been some labels that have been placed on Jesus' name. People like Jesus only, they say you're Jesus only. You don't believe in the Father and you don't believe in the Holy Ghost. A Trinitarian minister came in my office and told me that. said, you don't believe in the Father and you don't believe in the Holy Ghost. I said, let me tell you something, Pastor. I said, you tell me that I don't, but the whole issue here is that we believe that people should receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you tell me you don't think they should. Now, isn't it strange that we are Jesus only, and yet we're the only church in town that believes that you should receive what you call the third person of your divine trinity, and you don't even believe that yourself. And yet you call us Jesus only. He started crying. He said, the whole problem is, Pastor, he said, everybody in this city knows that the folks at Calvary Gospel Church are saved. There's no question. We all believe that. And your name has surfaced at minister, many ministerial meetings. All we want is for you to believe we're saved. We have no problem. We know you're saved, but you don't believe that we're saved. I said, did I ever tell you that? I've never had a conversation with you in my whole life. He said, yeah, but you make issues out of things like the name. He said, can't we just all love each other? Could I take you back in history a few years? There was a time, my friend, in which they didn't think we were saved. They thought we were the devil. But when God began to move and miracles were performed and eyes were opened, all of a sudden, we were saved, 
like one lady said, she said, now you can't tell me that all these folks, she said, well, you know what, I had this vision, I had this dream. And she said, when I went to heaven, it was about going to heaven, she said, when I approached, there were just roads coming in from all directions. Here was a door for the Baptists, the Methodists, the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons, the Pentecostals, the Catholics. And she went on. She said, see, she said, this, this vision tells me that, that uh, and then she named her own religion. I don't remember what she was. But she said, and we had a door there too, see. I just listened to what she was saying. Like one man said, you know, he said, there's many roads going in Chicago. And I said, that's true, but we're not trying to get to Chicago. You see, Jesus said, straight is the gate. And narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. And few there be that find it. I happen to know many different ways to go to Chicago. In fact, sometimes you can go there by accident. I happen to go to sleep with, with my wife and, and, and Sister Thorpe talking, and they went all the way to Aurora, and all of a sudden they stopped, and they were paying a toll, and I, I woke up, and I said, what are you doing here? My wife said, this is Aurora. I said, Aurora, this is sh- close to Chicago. I said, we're going to Madison. She says, there was nothing that said Madison. I said, hon, Interstate 39... There are seven signs. And and Sister Thorpe says, Oh no, Brother Grant, we have not we have not crossed the thirty-nine. And and I said, Oh yes, you did. So I was hungry and we pulled off and I had a catfish meal. Best thing that I've ever done in Aurora. It just was great. And uh, they were telling me about, oh, this is a, but we drove and drove and drove and drove and we came back and sure enough, Interstate 39. There it was. And uh, these two ladies were just ratchet jawing while I was asleep. And they were just enjoying talking. And See, you can get to Chicago by accident, my friend, but there's not going to be any feet pitter-pattering on streets of gold by accident. Everybody that goes there is going to go there because they have a determination in their heart to do what God wants them to do. And you can't drift through life and keep your revelation of what's right. I told you, sisters, I'd preach on that one of these days. Now, didn't that really fit? <coughs> they told me not to do it. And I promised that I wouldn't. But the, the promise has already expired. See, all my promises have, you know, I, I just keep them for so long. About three months, and then, <clears throat> no. <clears throat> but the revelation's losing a lot of people. And when this lady was telling me about this vision that she had, and, and here was her door, she said, "Now nah, that means that we can go too." But the thing that struck me kind of funny about this was I remember when the Pentecostals didn't have a door. You hear what I'm saying? I remember when the Pentecostals didn't have a door. People thought speaking in tongues was of the devil. They thought it was wrong. Now, we have prominent men like Chuck Swindoll, and I have admired this man. I've read most of his books. I think he's a great man. But today I turned him off. I'm just going to tell you, 
I was just vexed in my spirit when I heard him talk about Acts 19. You know, and I just, I just wanted to say, Chuck, you've got to have better sense than this. He said, divine revelation uh, was needed then because they didn't have Scripture. But now we have Scripture. So these people in Acts 19, they needed divine revelation. Well, could I inform you that in Acts 19, when they spoke in tongues, my friend, it was not for divine revelation. It was the initial sign of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, he's mixing that up with the gift of tongues that comes by interpretation, which is equivalent to prophecy. There's nothing in Acts 19 that says they spoke with tongues and received a revelation. My friend, they had received a revelation. That's the reason why they spoke with tongues. I'm sure not doing what I plan on doing tonight. But let me tell you something. When the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not, if you care one ounce for your soul, you better listen to Pastor Grant tonight. You hear what I'm telling you? Because right now, there's been a long time since I've heard ministers preach against speaking in tongues. But you mark it down with this avalanche of immorality and Satan getting this stronger grip on society and prominent ministers refusing to receive the revelation and they begin to openly criticize publicize and write books against the truth it's not going to be easy for you to stand you hear what I'm telling you? You remember what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said, If you can't march with the foot soldiers, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? And some of you, you used to be so spiritual and so involved in giving your heart to God. And church was a, was a great priority, and it's gone. And you can't muster up enough strength within you to do differently. And the reason why. It's because the light is growing dim. The batteries are not being charged. The alternator is malfunctioning. Nothing's going to cure that but rededication. You hear what I'm telling you? Because we're living in the hour in which the foot soldiers are going to march across. I was talking about the enemy, if you don't know what I'm talking about. You, you remember when we had our ministerial recent prayer and Bible conference? That wasn't ministerial conference. Prayer and Bible conference. You remember what Brother Cole said about, he said, Never have I preached in a state that I felt that Satan's back was so crushed. But let me tell you something, my friend. 
you and I who live in the state know that it is true that we're having a great revival. But the average Wisconsinite, when it comes to moral values, has little regard for such. You know that. You may say, why is that? Because of the European influence that's here in the North Country. Now, you may say, what do you mean? Go to Europe and you'll find out what we mean. They are extremely conservative people in lifestyle. But politically and morally, they're very, very liberal. Go to Germany. We got a lot of Germans in the state. We got a lot of Germans in our churches, Germans that are filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of you have German in your blood? Look at this, see? All right. You know what I'm talking about. But if you go to Germany, you'll find some of the most conservative people in the world in lifestyle. You know, I was over there and I preached throughout Germany and I asked some of them. A lot of them can speak English and I talked with them. I said, well, I noticed that most people over here dress so conservatively. I said, in the States we have what we call European cut suits and they laughed at that. Most of those men said, we buy one suit and it lasts a lifetime. We pay a big price for it, and we never change styles. The European cut suits don't really come from Europe. They come from Paris. Just a few designers. So we don't wear those things. They'll live in the same house all of their life, build a room, build rooms on for their, their, their children. Most of the boys stay there, live in that house. The girls will marry. They'll go wherever. Uh, their husband's parents live. They build, they'll buy one car and usually a big Mercedes uh, 500 series and they'll keep it for years. Every time they bring it in, they'll wash it off and take care of it so it doesn't rust out and they'll pass it on. That's how conservative they are. But let me tell you something. Go to their marketplaces. There's a sex shop on every corner. It's amazing. And you wonder why some of these communist forces can overrun the country. It's because politically and morally, they are liberal. And a lot of those seeds are still in Wisconsinites because they've been passed on to you from your fathers. Now, Please don't think that I'm trying to degrade. I'm trying to... I'm giving you this as I see it. If you talk about liberal, political, and moral states, look at Minnesota, look at Wisconsin, look at Michigan. This, this is what we're talking about, see. This is what we're talking about. But thank God that truth came our way. And the thing about it is, the church in Wisconsin is not as large as the church in Illinois. In Illinois, there are over 200 United Pentecostal churches and many, many other fundamental oneness churches. You go down in Texas, in the East Texas area that I came from, 
There are close to 400 churches just in the East Texas area and close to 200 in the West Texas area, about 600 churches in Texas. I'm talking about United Pentecostal churches and many, many more oneness churches and conservative churches. While Satan's back may be crushed in Wisconsin, I'm here to tell you that the church, even though it is powerful, it is small in number, and Satan can rise up at the snap of your finger if the church does not arise to the occasion. And you have to understand one thing, my friend, too. The devil may be afraid of one home and not afraid of yours. Because that's how he gains territory. That's how he gains ground. When an army goes to a foreign country, the first thing they try to do is establish beachheads, strong points, in which they gain control in strategic locations. And what the devil wants to do is to gain a beachhead in your household. That's what he's wanting. And if you draw close to society... How do I know when you're mindful of society? We sing the chorus, Go thy way, let me be. We're talking about the world. I don't know, maybe it's my age, but I'm becoming so unconcerned about fashion. There are times when, you know, it just, the whole conversation about what's in and what's out just turns me off. You may say, oh, Brother Grant. Listen, I know what's important. I know what's important. I'm not saying this boastfully. You know, I, you boast openly about certain things, you have your reward. And Sister Grant and I have been as faithful as we can possibly be and given to missions and the cause. In fact, the IRS now will cut you off uh, over a certain limit. I am not able to claim all of the giving because of the limits. But I do it because I love what I'm involved in, and I believe in it. And it just doesn't seem right to me that we should be so caught up with fads and fashions and nameplates and labels on suits when the world's dying and going to hell. It just, it just isn't right. It simply is not right. Materialism is the curse of the church. It isn't right. I'm not against people having nice things. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that at all. And sometimes you have to weigh what you're investing in against how long it lasts. You follow what I'm saying? You go buy a $200 sofa. You have to buy one every year. It might be wise for you to spend $800 on one. That'll last you the rest of your life. You probably will come out ahead. 
that, but that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about fashion, clothes, and everything, my friend, before they even get dirty, they're out of style. I like for you to look nice. I like for you to look sharp. I like to see you in new outfits, you ladies and men with new ties. I think it's great. But there is a fine line between dignity and pride. You see, dignity calls attention to a purpose. Pride calls attention to self. If your aim in life is to represent Jesus Christ, it's a little different, you know. But if your aim in life is to represent you and what you are, got transparencies to show and everything. I just don't. I feel extremely comfortable believing what I believe. I don't plan on changing. If everybody leaves you, Brother Grant, because they do, they just do. I don't believe it's going to happen. Because I believe there are enough of you that love truth and want to stand for it. And you want to be saved. Look at what's being pumped into your household. The newspapers. I'm not against the newspaper. I'm just trying to point out something. Magazines. I'm not against magazines. I spend money on newspapers and magazines. Radio. Turn the radio on. See what kind of a message is being given to you. The television. What I'm saying is that a constant diet of anything brings about an appetite for it. Do you know that? I happen to be one of the few persons that you know of in the world that likes almost anything that's edible. <clears throat> I mean, man, I tell you what, I just... I've had people say, you eat those? Yeah. Well, when I grew up, we were so poor, I'll tell you. You know, I used to have to go out and kill rabbits. We didn't have any money then for shells, so I had to trap them. And when, we, when I trapped a rabbit, I'm telling you, we tanned the hide, and we made moccasins out of them. We ate the meat. Uh... We use the tails for powder puffs. We use the insides for fish bait. And I kept the rabbit foot in my pocket for good luck that I'd catch another one. <clears throat> that was an exaggeration. <clears throat> but I mean to tell you, when, when we killed a hog, I mean, we ate everything down to the squeal. 
and we ate it all. <clears throat> Taking a lot of beef tongue sandwiches, you know, to lunch, school, and I, people say, what is it? I said, beef. Have you ever eaten beef tongue? I mean, really, you slice it, a little bit of an angle, so it fits the bread, makes it bigger. Of course, the tongue's got, the cow's got a long tongue. Have you ever been around the barn? A cow can run her tongue up in her nostril this far. <laughs> now you think about that the next time you eat a beef tongue. But I tell you what, if you actually went around these farms where these chickens and ducks, ducks are the nastiest animals that God ever created. And I'm telling you, they are just plain old nasty. You should see some of the water they swim in. And they'll just put their bills down in it, and they, and they just get this water going in and dirt going out the side. and You ever caught a fish and cut him open and see what he's been eating? do that when I was a kid, you know. I was curious. What's this thing been eating? Of course, my dad told me that. Man, when you go fishing, always cut the fish out and find out what he's been eating because you know what they're feeding on then. And you try your best to use whatever he's been eating as bait. It works. Well, at any rate, <clears throat> gave you a good, some good education. I don't know if it's a good lesson or not. But you see, you you will acquire an appetite when you eat things. Uh, not too long, I was in a, long ago. I was in a restaurant and and see there was some music playing in the background. Now I never pay much attention to music. My wife always knows every song. If you want to know what a song is, it doesn't have words. Let, let my wife listen to it. I don't know where she picked up all this knowledge. She was born, I think, listening to music, evidently. Because she just... So I was sitting there, and I was tapping my hand, you know, my foot, and I wasn't paying any attention. She said, do you know what you're jigging to? I said, no, I don't know. She said, well, you need to be a little more careful here, because what you're jigging to is is uh, not a Christian song. I said, oh, it wasn't? I didn't even know I was jigging to anything. I said, yeah, you were. You were doing like this. I said, okay, all right, all right, all right. I'll take your rebuke, and I won't do it. So <clears throat> I was in a restaurant not long after that, and I caught myself then. See, I was going to be very uh, cautious. caught myself doing that again. She looked at me and said, you know what that song is? I said, no. Now, it's a strange thing, you know. <clears throat> I did not know the song, didn't know what it was. An hour or two later, though, I started singing the words of that song. I had picked that up. That's, that's a strange thing. I had picked that up. And I said, where did I learn those words? She said, that was the song you were keeping time to in the restaurant. 
said, well, I didn't know. Now, <clears throat> you hear something so many times, and it becomes a part of you. This is the reason why that you have to guard yourself. You have to guard your household. And can I say something to you parents? You've got to guard your little innocent ones. Because if they develop an appetite for this, after a while you'll wonder why in the world they want to do what you know they ought not to do. You wonder why. But that is life. And it appears to me that Satan battles God every day for my soul on the playing grounds. Maybe I should put it this the neutral grounds of my own will. God can't save any man against his will. And the purpose of sin is to destroy the will. Have you ever prayed with an alcoholic? Do you know why the alcoholic has problems being delivered? Because alcohol kills Do you know why drugs are so destructive? Because they kill the will. Do you know why that nicotine is a hard habit to break? Because it destroys the will. It rules over you. That's what addiction is. It holds captive a man's will. When you reach the point that you don't want to be saved, you can not be saved. Unless, listen to this, unless somehow, through some miracle, God restores the want to within you. This is the reason why when you're praying for unsaved loved ones, you're praying what I call an impossible prayer. I call it impossible just so you'll understand it. You're saying, God, save my husband. The problem is, your husband is saying, but I don't want to be saved. God, save my wife. But your wife is saying, but I don't want to be saved. You're praying for your father or your mother, and you're saying, God, save them. And your father and mother are saying, but I don't want to be saved. Now, God's going to have to move in an extraordinary way 
on that individual to say that individual. You know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to cause some crises to come that will perhaps change their mind. Now keep in mind that when these crises come, these loved ones sometimes can turn on you like a ferocious lion. They can be nasty. They can be ugly. Because that's what God and His Spirit causes when He deals with people. See, before you can be con- before you can be fused to God, you must be confused. Because you are fused to the wrong thing. And confusion is the breaking of what you're fused to, to be fused back to God. And when you're confused, my friend, you could be ugly and nasty. But I want to encourage you to keep on praying, because without your prayers, there will probably never will be restored probably never will be but if you keep praying and you keep seeking God it's like Cornelius his prayers came up as memorial to God one day God looked out and said I can't ignore these prayers any longer something's got to give And an answer came from heaven. And when you lift up those prayers of your loved ones to God, there is a point in which God says, on the behalf of you, while this person is being said, has been saying, I don't want to be Pentecostal. I don't want to be saved. I don't want to give my heart to God. I don't want to go to church. God says, If all possible, these prayers will be answered. Please keep in mind, however, the ultimate decision concerning salvation rests solely in the choice that the individual makes. Some people can grit their teeth and go to hell. Because that's what they want to do. But I will assure you of one thing, my friend. If a man can possibly be saved, God will save him. Well, I have no title for this message. I don't even know what I spoke on other than I spoke on the Bible and a few things that God has burdened my heart with. But my time is up. I do feel heavy conviction. And I feel the sweet presence of Almighty God. I must be saved. 
your children must be saved. Oh, God. I'm just feeling like never before that we're in for a real battle. Jesus, I love you. Would you just bow your heads? Oh, God of heaven. Lord, would you talk to us? God, would you deal with us? Oh, thank you, Lord. you want to pray, why don't you get up and come down to the front if you'd like to rededicate your heart. Praise God. Brother Moran, can you move this for me? Oh, God of heaven. If you're a guest of ours and you'd like to join these concerned people who are coming to pray, why don't you step right out and come on right now? Come and pray. Come on right now. We don't have any music playing thus far. But just the voice of God dealing with you. Oh, God, I love you. Come on, would you? Come on. I love you, God. I do. I worship you, God. I do. I praise you, Father, I do. God, you're so good to me, Lord, you are. Heavenly Father, I love you. I do love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. God, you're so good to us, Lord. 
God, you're so kind. You're so wonderful, God. Lord, you're everything, God. Lord, you're everything. Savior, move upon us, Lord. Deal with our hearts, O God. Show us the way, Lord, that leads to everlasting life. God, we resubmit ourselves to you and to your hand. We're asking, God, that you deal with us. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Lord, I love you. I love you. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. God, in your name, in your name. That's it. Just seek the Lord. Let this be a very precious moment. Let it be a valuable moment to you. Oh, God, dear 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 God. Oh, God. I love you, I worship you, I praise you, I love you, God. God, in your name, in your name, in your name. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. God, you're so good to me, Lord. You're so good to me, God. Lord, you're so good. That's it. It's good to see our young people coming out here, kneeling down and praying. Oh, God of heaven, God of heaven. Let His Holy Spirit deal with you. Let His Holy Spirit touch you. Let His Holy Spirit talk to you. Oh, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus. 